Blog Talk Radio.
to Reaching Out Radio International. Tonight, this is the program, In the Word, with Sister Pearl. I'm your Sister Pearl. God bless you. And what a privilege it is to be able to speak with you another evening. I am just so honored and so blessed and so privileged that I have this opportunity to speak into your lives. I know that people are listening. I've been getting some messages from some people in the Philippines and in China, I know that uh, I even heard from a brother in um, in one of the countries in Africa. And so I know that you're listening to this radio broadcast all around the world. And we are so, so very grateful to have you spend an hour with us on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning or whenever you're listening in your part of the world or if you're listening on demand. We are so blessed to have you be a part of our international radio family. And I, as I always love to do, I want to give Evangelist Montel Fields a special shout-out. I love this lady so much. What a sister, a friend, a colleague, a fellow co-laborer in the kingdom of God. Thank you, my dear sister, for giving me this privilege to be able to be one of the hosts on Reaching Out Radio International. I pray the Lord bless you, bless your family, bring tremendous healing, meet every need. Uh, Pray for Sister Barbara and um, her family in the loss of their loved one, believing God for great things for them and great comfort and great healing. Thank God we know that uh, when a loved one goes and if they're in the Lord, they're in the presence of God. So we just pray for the families that they receive the healing and the comfort they need. And so I am greeting you from, again, all of my radio listeners, whether you're in the great um, continent of Oceania or you're in Africa, Asia, South America, North America, Europe, uh, wherever you're listening from, we just want to bless you uh, in the name that is above every other name. North America, we bless you too, and we thank God for you. Tonight we're going to pick up with part two of when God is reverenced. So let's just really look to the Lord uh, just for a brief minute and ask God to breathe upon his servants as I give this word, breathe upon you that you will be able to hear it, and understand it, and God will give you the portion that you need to really keep you going. You and I are living in some of the most exciting days that I have ever encountered. We certainly are in times like none other that we've experienced in our lifetime, but we know we're coming much closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Much closer to his imminent return. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful um, to be your children. And for those of us that don't know you yet as our Lord and Savior, we do pray that before the end of this night, that every knee will bow to your Lordship. Every man, every woman, every young girl, every young boy, every young person, every teenager, every young adult will want uh, to dedicate their entire lives to you, Father. We know that Uh, With you, we have everything that we need. And without you, we're just missing. Life is just not what it should be without you. And so, God, I pray for every listening ear that each and every individual will come closer to you and will certainly be captivated by your love and by your great plan for them, Lord Jesus. Uh, Breathe upon your handmaiden. Let me speak forth your word with anointing, with clarity. We pray, O God, that we will reverence you in a greater way, in a greater capacity after listening to this word that you put in my heart. God, make it clear. Make it come home and help us to apply it. We pray that you beat back the forces of darkness that would try to interfere with uh, people listening, that would try to bring distraction, may come against all of those evil plots and plans that would cause hindrance. We pray that everybody listening will be able to hear and understand, Lord God, and be blessed to go further with you, Lord God, and to love you 
and to know that you love them beyond their wildest expectation. So we thank you, Father, for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to remind you, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, that the Lord Jesus loves you so very much. Always remember that. You are greatly loved by God, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through. Just know that um, we're not going to be here on this earth forever. This is just temporal, but we're going to spend an eternity either separated from God, and I pray that would not be anyone listening to this radio broadcast, or we're going to be eternally in the presence of the Lord forever. And I can't even begin to tell you how wonderful that's going to be. Uh, We have never experienced anything as wonderful as being his presence forever and ever and ever. No separation, no sickness, no sadness, no suffering, uh, no tears, no misunderstandings, nothing. Just to be full in the presence of God. So, again, tonight we're going to talk about when God is reverenced, part two. Now, last week we took a look at three different but incredible scriptural stories of how people in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, greatly reverenced God and the wonderful rewards and benefits of doing such. This evening on In the Word with Sister Pearl, we're going to continue with part two of the same theme. Please listen very carefully as we unwrap some practical applications of what it looks like when God is reverenced versus when he's not being honored and he's not being respected. I'll be using biblical examples to reveal both sides of this issue. Now, please pay close attention as we place some things currently taking place in the Western Church up to the light of God's holy word and examine if such practices line up with the standard he has set for his people. Tonight's broadcast promises to be one you will certainly not want to miss. Actually, you may even want to quickly call a friend, a neighbor, a church brother or sister right now. Give them the link to listen to this broadcast because I honestly believe tonight's message is that relevant and it's important for the whole body of Christ to learn and to know how we can, as a body, reverence him in such a way that totally will take us to a higher level in Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God-consuming fire. And I just read from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Now, during part one of this message, last time that we spoke, when God's reverence, we saw how the children of Israel dishonored, disrespected, and rejected God as their sovereign king. Instead, they desired to have a human king, like the other, other pagan lands that were around them. God gave them Saul. However, even though they rejected God as their king, God in his loving mercy still told them, in First Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, if you will fear the Lord and serve him, and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. I just love that verse because it tells me I would reverence God. And if I would do that unabashedly, fearing the Lord, serving him, listening to his voice, obeying his voice, not rebelling against the command of the Lord, then not only, you know, would I follow the Lord, but the king who reigns over me will follow the Lord. So sometimes we have to realize that as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have that kind of an 
impact even on our leaders. And it will cause them, our reverence of God, will many times challenge people that lead us to follow God as well. Isn't that tremendous? I want to read that again. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice, and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. So once again, God is revealing his extremely gracious and forgiving heavenly father heart towards those whom he has chosen to be his very own. Even when they rejected him and wanted a mortal king. They wanted a human king. They wanted to be like their pagan neighbors. They wanted to follow a man rather than follow God. This, this can never work. But that's what they chose, and God gives us free will. But this same God is always full of mercy and goes to all lengths to give us the opportunity to be blessed and prosper under his divine hand. This is the kind of God that I serve. This is the kind of God that is defined and talked about in the word of God. This is the only true and living God. So in part one, we looked and examined three separate individuals in the word of God who rightly honored and reverenced God. We learned how their great reverence for God not only brought them personal blessing, but tremendous deliverance for all whom they had influence with. For the great man of God, Joseph, he was used to bring deliverance to the entire known world which existed at the time he lived on the earth. Can you imagine that? He was a blessing not only to his elderly father and his brothers, who had wanted to kill him years ago, and their families, their little ones, their children, their grandchildren, not only did he turn out to be delivered to them, but the Bible says he was a deliverer to the entire known world because the entire world at that time was underneath the famine, and yet God provided food for them through his servant Joseph. But that was because Joseph reverenced God now, poor and Shifra, we also looked at those two ladies that were midwives. The whole Jewish ethnic group survived and grew in number due to the reverence of Shifra and poor because of their willingness to disobey the earthly king and obey their heavenly father king. Amen. Finally, Cornelius in the New Testament, the great Italian, who was a centurion in the Roman army, through his faithful devotion to the one and only true God, man that God used to be the first of the Gentile people to welcome the glorious gospel of Christ to all the nations of the world. So that includes everybody who's listening to this broadcast, unless you are a Jew. For everybody else, the Gentiles. But we have been engrafted, thank God, because of Jesus, into that royal family. Hallelujah. So not only is God the God of the Jewish nation, but he's our God. He's the God of everyone that would embrace the great gift of salvation that he offers so freely to all. So it's no longer um, just the Jews to receive and partake in this great plan of salvation. But the glorious gospel of Christ goes to all nations of the world. And that's why we are reaching out international to all nations in so many, in all the continents except for probably Antarctica in the world. So I just reiterated what we talked about the last time. But now I want to look at a, an example of, of when God is not reverenced. What does it look like? What's a good example of what it looks like when God is not being reverenced? And for that, 
I'm going to take a look now. Please go with me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel, and I'm going to read all the way from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12, and I believe I'm going to go as far as verse 36. So, here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 12 talks about Eli's wicked sons. And again, I'm giving you now an example of of what it looks like when God is not being reverenced, not being respected, not being honored, not being regarded with awe. Verse 12, Eli's sons were scoundrels. I'm reading from the New International Version. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was a practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Samuel, little Samuel, was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Going back to the story about Eli and his sons, verse 22. Now, Eli, who was very old, he heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Verse 27, now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Wow. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. 
Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. What happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before me, before my anointed one, always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead a priestly office so I could have food to eat. I just read to you from the New International Version, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 to 36. Now, you may read the, the story of how Israel was defeated by the Philistine army and how the 98-year-old prophet Eli died a disgraceful death. You can read about that on your own time in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 10 to 22. Again, you can read about uh, how Israel was defeated by the Philistine uh, and their army and how the 98-year-old prophet Eli died a very disgraceful death. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 10 through 22. I want to read for the second time a verse that we just read in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It is, it is so profound and um, wow. It's found in verse 30. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 30. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. It says, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Listen to it. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. No one can think that they're going to dishonor God, going to go well with them. Never think that because it doesn't happen. I've seen that even with the gift that God gave me, in my daughter and people that disdain that the fact that God was blessing me with my daughter I've seen I've seen firsthand up front what has happened to them and how they did not enter into what God had for them because of their disdain for what God did for me God does not like when he is not honored or when one of his uh, servants are dishonored. He does not like it. Now, what was Eli's problem? He feared his carnal sons more than he feared, reverenced, and honored God Almighty. Does this sound like some things that are going on right now in the 21st century, 2021, are fearing carnal men and women more than they're fearing and reverencing and honoring God. Eli, the prophet, he gave his wicked sons a verbal warning. But what he should have done is remove them, tell them that they were no longer wanting, wanted as priests to serve, do priestly duties, he should have removed them, not just give them some kind of verbal patting on the hand. He should have removed them from their priestly positions, which they clearly despised and they obviously rejected. 
they had no respect for God. Eli knew that his married, his two sons were married, and they were serving as priests, yet they were doing so much wrong with this meat offering. Because the meat offering was, a, it was, if you read the Levitical law, it said that when you offer the meat, that that fat had to be burned or boiled to go up as a, a sweet fragrance to the Lord. It, it was not supposed to be eaten. That was a fat offering that was supposed to be offered to the Lord. It goes to God first. But what happened was Eli's sons, they loved to have, they didn't want any boiled meat. They didn't like boiled meat. They wanted theirs roasted, and they wanted the fat with the meat so it could be more tender, more delicious for them. So they were more concerned about their own, you know, desires and appetites and flesh rather than doing their priestly duties and doing the right thing in the sacrifice of the meat that came before them. So what did they do when somebody came with some meat? to offer to God as a sacrifice. Eli's sons had their servant get the meat before it was fully boiled so that they could have it roasted, fat and all, totally against the Levitical law for the fat offering from the people. In addition to doing that, Eli's sons, married sons, committed adultery on a regular basis with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. This sound like some things that are going on today in church circles. Yes, it does. In some, and far too many. The Bible called what those two young men did as offering up strange fire. And so they were offering strange fire before God. That was not the way they were supposed to offer the meat offering to the Lord. They were not supposed to do it that way. They were to give God what belongs to God, and then God already made a provision for them. They were not going to go hungry. They were not going to be starving. They were not going to be with their stomachs hurting them. But they said, you know, their wants, they didn't say it verbally, but that's clearly how they acted. They rejected God. They rejected uh, and despised him, and they did it in front of the people. Not only did they do it, they did it in front of everybody who came to offer the sacrifice. They said, oh, no, 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 we get that. And they made their servant do what they told him to do, grab that meat before it could be boiled and that fat could be boiled, because they want it for themselves. Now, this is totally contrary to everything we learned about the last time we talked about when God is reverence. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Schiffer and Poole. We talked about Cornelius. Um, very different actions. And you see that. Eli's sons behave very bad, very, very, very bad very poorly and contrary to what God had wanted for the priest to be doing. And, and what I want to really emphasize, I know I just said it before, but what I want to emphasize is Eli knew better than this. Come on. Eli was an elderly prophet. These were not like little eight-year-old boys. These were married men. He was he was 98 by the time he died, so he must have been a good in his 90s and in his 80s and 90s when his sons were doing all this junk and sinning against God so horrifically. So he, he knew clearly what was going on because the Bible, I just read it. The Bible said that he had heard the report, and he said, no, my son, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. So he knew clearly what was going on. He knew clearly that his sons were wicked and that they were doing things that were so totally contrary to everything that was holy and everything that was clean and everything that was righteous and everything that was godly. He knew that his sons 
were running amok, committing sexual sin, uh, committing priestly sins. And God, in his mercy, like we've read before, gave them lots of opportunities to repent. But they would not repent. And you see, when you don't repent, it, it never just affects you. It affects all that you influence. Because we know that later on, Israel was defeated, for, for a time at least, by the Philistine armies. And I'm sure that started out with the leadership. Because the leadership were not right. So, When we reverence God, we see that the people are blessed. When we do not reverence God, when we don't respect God, when we don't honor God, when we don't give him his his right and reverence, reverential fear, and we don't have any reverential fear of God, then things go awry. Things do not go right. Now, how do these kind of verses relate to our present-day churches? And I'm thinking, especially in the Western church, and that means uh, many places in Europe and in perhaps Australia, New Zealand, and some of the Oceania um, islands, African uh, countries, some of them, and certainly in, in, in you know, North America, South America. Uh, there's some stuff happening in the Western church that's just, just, just you know, it's not right. People in the Western churches, some churches are totally pro-choice, pro-death churches. These churches um, affiliate with Planned Parenthood, and they have no problem with promoting killing babies while they're developing in their mother's wombs. This is something that you've heard Sister Pearl talk about time and time again, because it is something that God says he hates. God does hate some things. People have heard me use this expression, and I remember one man in a, in a Sunday school class that I was teaching, he said, you said, Mr. Pearl, God hates something? Yeah. God said, I hate the shedding of innocent blood. But then you've got some churches now that are pro-choice. You've got some pastors that are pro-choice, pro-death. If you want to really be honest, to be pro-choice is to be pro-death. You're either pro-life or you're So you've got some churches that are pro-death churches. And they don't make a distinction between what is holy and what is profane. Then you've got some churches that they open up their buildings, not so much for Bible study and for prayer and for deliverance, and, and, and for tarrying and waiting before God and, and for studying the word of God and for just having hours of prayer. No, they've got their churches opened up. Zumba, yoga, seances, and believe it or not, their churches in many of our bigger cities in America that have drag queen readings inside the church. You might say, well, what is a drag queen reading? Well, drag queen are men who dress up as women, and then they've been coming at the invitation of these churches to come and read to the children in the churches. Drag queen readings. I kid you not. I have the list of the churches in New York City that opened their doors to have drag queen readings to the little children in their churches. This is what's going on. Then you have some churches with Ouija board classes. So they have like seances and they have uh, time that they go and they, they play with the Ouija board, which is totally demonic. And then you have churches now in New York City and other big cities around the United States. I don't know if, if some of the countries in Europe do this as well or other, but we have churches serving now the nation sites. Where is the reverence for God? Where is the separation between that which is holy and that which is profane? 
Now, I don't, I cannot speak for the other nations because I don't live there. But I know for in America, the first, some of the first places that were closed during the um, outbreak and what people call the pandemic, some of the first places shut down were the churches by the government, told to shut down. Yes. The liquor stores never shut. They were, they were called essential liquor stores in America throughout. were never closing or never asked to be closed one day during the pandemic because they were considered essential services. Abortion facilities, abortion centers during the pandemic, while the churches were closed, were never closed not even for one during the pandemic. The large stores, such as Walmart, stayed open. But yet, churches that were asked to be closed during the pandemic, not considered an essential service by the government, some of those same churches opened wide their doors to serve as vaccination sites so that people in the neighborhood could go into the sanctuary, into their church building that was paid for with tithe money, most likely, to get a quote-unquote inoculation. And I want to be honest with you. As a servant of the living God, as a daughter of God, somebody who's been walking with the Lord for some time now, this shows absolutely no reverential fear for God who is holy. Why all of a sudden with the churches that were closed for a time, and were not considered essential, to now allow the government to prompt them and give them incentives to open up their churches so that the neighborhood could come and be vaccinated. Why aren't those churches having prayer lines? People in the community can come for prayer instead of being lined up vaccinations, how about being lined up for prayer? How about being lined up for deliverance and breakthroughs, deliverance from addictions? How about that? And why weren't the government going to the public schools? Most of them, if not all of them, were large had lots of space, lots of room, much more than the churches, why weren't they being used as vaccination centers? But when there is no reverence and fear of God from the people who claim to be the people of God, we cannot expect for the world to respect God. Uh, Can I say that again? If God's people and have no reverential fear of God, why would the church expect for the world to honor God, to reverence God, to respect God? If I don't respect my mother, how can I expect somebody else to respect her? How much more God? If I say I belong to God, why will I dishonor God? Whether behind closed doors or outside in public. Now, I'm not even saying that Zumba was wrong or if you, you know, engage in Zumba that you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we need to make a differentiation between a place that's sanctified for God's use and a place that's not. 
That's why Ecclesiastes says a church setting is not a place for Zumba lessons. Yoga is a spiritual thing. That's something that the Hindu people do. So that has no business in a house of God at all. Because when you do certain poses, that opens yourself up to different entities. But ignorant people, you know, that means people that don't know, don't study, they don't know that. Seances, which is calling up the dead. That should never be. No Christian should be consulting with mediums or dead people. And really, you cannot be really consulting with dead people because dead people are dead. What you're really doing is consulting with evil spirits. And why should drag queens be allowed to come to churches and read to little children when these people are living abominable lifestyles? Ouija boards, what would that be doing in a church? And why would anybody allow that in a church, whether it's in the sanctuary, whether it's in the basement, whether it's in, in, in a different room, if it's in the church building, it should never be. It should never be. Same thing with vaccination sites. The church is dedicated for the furtherance of the gospel. That we don't even know what is going on with that thing. And now it's mandated. Why weren't the liquor stores that were open? Why weren't people lining up there? Since that's an essential place considered to be essential by the government. Why weren't people lining up to go to the liquor stores and get vaccinated? Why weren't they going into the abortion facilities that never closed one day? Why didn't they cordon off a part of the abortion facility and let people go in and get vaccinated? Or in big stores like Walmart. Why did they close off like a quarter of their store? Let people go in there and get vaccinated. Why would pastors of churches think that that was a good thing to have done in the house of God? A place that's dedicated for the purposes of God. Let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 25 to 27. It talks about the sins of prophets priests, and princes. The conspiracy, verse 25 of Ezekiel 22, the conspiracy of the princes in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour the people, seize the treasures, fresh things, and multiply the widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They make no distinction between the holy and the common. They fail to distinguish between the clean and the unclean. They disregard my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey, shedding blood and destroying lives for dishonest gain. What did I just read? Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 25. When we reverence God, we will certainly treat people with respect and dignity. Why? Because we realize that each person has been created after the image and likeness of God. And so because we respect and honor God, even if we cannot respect that individual, we respect the fact that they belong to God. They were created after his image, after his likeness. And they don't belong to us. They belong to God. So out of respect for God, we've got to treat them a certain kind of way. You can't even have around you because they don't mean good. They mean to do wickedness. They mean to lie. They mean to do evil. They mean to misrepresent. They mean to sabotage. They mean to subvert. And so you don't have these kinds of people around you because they're not good. They're wicked. They're evil. 
And they're always looking to be wicked and to be evil and to supplant. Some of them you cannot have around you. But you respect everyone. And even out of your respect for those kind of people that are not right, uh, you respect them. And so you will not even tell them the kind of stuff that they've told you. Okay. Because you respect God. And you can't go there. People who sexually violate children or beat other more vulnerable individuals like the disabled or the mentally, anybody who sexually violates children or people more vulnerable themselves than themselves, whether it's men, uh, men beating women or women beating some men or beating children or bigger children beating younger children or abusing them or sexually molesting them, raping them, you know, tormenting them, these people have no reverence for God, bottom line, bottom line. When you don't reverence God, you find yourself doing a lot of horrific things, saying horrific things, acting horrifically, pretending to be one thing when you know good well you're not that, and just just plain bad behavior, all because of a irreverence for God. Because when you and I reverence God, that means we respect God. We honor God. We have a reverential fear of God. And we can't do every and anything. This whole thing about uh, pastors abusing little boys in the church and little girls in the church or women in the church, or weak men in the church, then you already know that those leaders have no reverence for God. It all starts with reverence for God. If we have reverence for God, these kinds of actions, abominable actions, would be unheard of in the churches. Pastors impregnating worship leaders or some sister in the church, sometimes even another brother's wife in the church. All of these things will show you that that pastor, that leader, that sister, that brother that is abusing, taking advantage of other people, they have no reverence for God. Why did Eli's sons do what they did? They had no reverence for God. But I'm going to tell you something. God let Eli's sons go for quite a while. And so they probably thought, wow, God seems to be, you know, he might not exactly agree with what we're doing, but he hasn't done anything yet. So I guess, guess we're going to, he's going to allow us to get away with it. Well, they guessed wrong. My dad had a saying, I think it's very appropriate. You may get by, but you won't get away. You may get by for a certain time being irreverent towards God, all that, even though you know and God knows you're not, and you might put up a real good front, but at the end of the day, God really knows, and you're not going to get away with that. Eli's sons were killed. God had had enough. They had abused and misused and done enough abomination that they could have been killed years ago, but God gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent. 
They chose not to. Like I said at the very beginning of this program, you and I are living in some of the most exciting days that I've ever been in in my life. Challenging, yes, but very exciting. Why? Because we're that much closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We're never going to go back to things exactly, exactly the way they were before. I don't believe that's going to happen. You know, I believe that God's going to do some wonderful things before he comes back, but we're never going to go back to the days of yesterday. We're coming so much closer to his return, to his imminent return. So we need to reverence God because when we don't, God's going to deal with us. God dealt with Eli's sons, and he dealt with Eli too because when Eli heard the news of the death of his sons, of the Philistines taking over, the Ark of the Covenant being taken, he rolled back in his chair, his neck broke, and he died. What a disgraceful death for an old prophet of God. But that's what happens when you and I don't reverence God. We've got to reverence God, and people need to learn this principle. We need to honor, respect, and have reverential fear of God who is holy, not to be trifled with. We know that when we reverence God, wonderful things happen. Miraculous things take place. But when we don't reverence God, look at the awful things that can take place and what happens. People's lives are destroyed. Demon spirits are very active. People's destinies are destroyed. People are completely out of order when we don't do what's right. We just pray with you in the remaining two moments. Let us just reverence God. Let us reverence God and go back to the very first uh, verse that we started out with tonight in Hebrews chapter 12, 20 and 29. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, it cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for showing us um, what it's like to, to reverence you and what it looks like when we don't reverence you and the horrible effects that can take place when we don't reverence you. Dear God, be so real to us. Make this word come home so clear so that we would want to reverence you. It would not be a chore. It would not be a task. It will be a pleasure to reverence you because you deserve it. You deserve to be honored. You deserve to be respected. You deserve to receive the reverential fear that we have for you, for all of you, God. We bless you, Father. And I pray that if anyone listening does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, tonight will be their night. They will open up their heart, and they will repent of their sins, and they will invite Jesus Christ to come in and by your Holy Spirit live inside of them and give them the power to say no to the devil and to say yes to you, Lord God. And for them to always reverence and honor you. Because if anyone deserves our reverence, it is you, God, and only you. We thank you for tonight's program. And we ask you that you'd be with us all week until we meet again next time in Jesus' name. Now, God's giving me a special word for you next Sunday. God willing, I'm excited about it because it's a word to tell you how we can succeed in these times. It's going to be good. I'm excited. I'm joyful. So until this time, next time, this is your Sister Pearl within the world of Sister Pearl and Reaching Out Radio International. I love you, but God loves you so much more like only he can. God bless you. Bye-bye. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes. Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 